This morning we get a, begin a study in 2 Corinthians. Paul had went to Corinth in Acts 18 on his second missionary journey, and he spent about a year and a half there. Later he went and from Ephesus wrote a letter to them. He had sent Timothy to them. And then there were some uh, things they needed to work on because of the divisions among them. And some of those things had not fully been solved. So Paul had delayed his going to them in order to spare them, but some there thought that his delay meant that he was vacillating between coming there. And so he's assuring them that no, that's not what it was. That he did come. And there's also a mention of sending, them, sending Titus to them in 2 Corinthians in that letter. But what they're dealing with and Paul is dealing with, he has been dealing with, are many trials and difficulties. But there's a certain way that Paul looks at that. And I believe it's a valuable lesson to us as we read this together. I want to read the first section and I'm going to call it The God of All Comfort. Because I believe that is uh, a focal point of one of the things that Paul is trying to get into their minds. And it would be very valuable to us that if we ever go through any kind of difficulty to see God as one who helps us. In first, or 2 Corinthians chapter 1 beginning at verse 1. Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And Timothy our brother unto the church of God which is at Corinth with all the saints which are in Achaia, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Ye also helping together by prayer for us, for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given 
by many on our behalf. Paul begins the letter very similar as he does in, in many other places. He lets them know who he is, that he's an apostle, that he received this authority by God. Paul did not choose this role himself. He wasn't campaigning for the role. This was not something that he did of his own doing or his own ambition. He had other things in mind of what he was taught and how he was raised. But God chose him. Jesus himself chose him as an apostle. And so the things that he's writing, things he's saying, comes from that authority from Christ above. And when he mentions Timothy with him, Timothy's not an apostle, but he refers to him as our brother. Timothy is one that Paul considered a fellow teammate, a fellow soldier. In the Philippian letter, Paul wrote that Timothy is, there's no one else like-minded as Timothy, as, as me. That he's one who cares about others more than his own. I'm sure there were people that Paul thought very highly of, but there's some special relationship that he has with Timmy, Timothy. And as many of his letters, grace and peace are his themes. Those are things that he wishes well upon this church. Even though this church had had some struggles and there were some frustrations that he had with them, they were never meant to be things that were to hurt them. They were meant to be things that he wanted them to do well. And grace and peace are marvelous themes of Paul's letters. They're, they're abundant. Th those are the things that he mentions quite frequently. This favor of God is such a blessing. And then there's the peace of God. It's so important for us to consider. But even though Paul is about to mention a lot of the troubles that he has endured... To let them know how much he understands them and cares for them and what he's really trying to accomplish in them. He praises God for those difficulties. Do we do that? You know, Job did. Job blessed God and said, The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Do we only praise God whenever we get what we want? Do we only praise God for whenever things are going the way I want them to? But Paul is praising God. He's saying, blessed be God who helps us in our difficulties. He calls him the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of mercies. That's interesting to me how the prophets would often mention the mercies of God in books and letters that were written to people dealing with their punishments and their difficulties. And yet he draws out the mercy of God in those times. David, whenever he was suffering for his own sins, often wrote in the Psalms about the mercies of the Lord. Nehemiah will say that it's for the mercies of the Lord that we're not consumed. And we would... We have not paid for what our iniquities deserve because of the mercies of God. Jeremiah, 
in writing in Lamentations talks about how his mercies are new every morning. In the middle of those trials, in the middle of the punishment, the man who is called the weeping prophet referred to the mercies of God. Let's not forget that, that even in difficulties, let's think and focus upon God's mercy, that when you think your trials are difficult, stop and understand that the Lord knows what you're able to bear, the Lord knows your circumstance, and He's there to help you, and He is merciful. He's oftentimes merciful to us when we don't deserve it. And He's called the God of all comfort. I want to really focus on that phrase because the word comfort and consolation, if you noticed it, was mentioned several times throughout the rest of this reading. The comfort, consolation. God comforts us. When we, when we go through trials, this gives us an opportunity. I don't know if you ever think about it that way. We don't always like that. Remember in the James passage that was read in the, in, at the beginning. That we are to consider those trials as an opportunity to help us learn endurance. And so we should count it a joyous thing. Consider it a challenge to become better at trusting God. And when he talks about these kinds of troubles, you know, Paul is constantly referring to his own troubles in the book. And I don't think he's doing it in a complaining way. But I think he wants them to know about the troubles he's dealt with because the reason he has done that is because of his being chosen by God and his concern for his brethren. He has a purpose, and he's keeping that purpose before him. You stop and you think about all, look, look at what, what he says later in chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 8, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. I don't think we have experienced the kinds of beatings, sufferings, difficulties that Paul has endured. Notice the words that he draws your attention to. Troubles. Schedules him trying to get to a place, him caring about brethren. Sometimes plans got thwarted. Sometimes there were enemies. That in the middle of doing a good work, he got imprisoned. There were, there were all kinds of difficulties like this. There was pressure constantly upon Paul. Look at chapter 6, the words that he uses to describe it. Chapter 6, verse 4. But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings. You see, there were hardships 
the times where Paul got beaten and stripes laid on his back, times where he was left for dead, times where they thought he was dead and God allowed him to live, times where he escaped out of trouble. He was let down through a wall in a basket. There were times where there were riots in theaters, riots among the people, like a mob mentality of all of these people yelling insults at who wanted Paul done away with. There were men who made a vow that we're not going to eat until that man is dead. Imagine that kind of pressure and fear that he's facing. The sleepless nights, the hunger, the coldness, and all of these lonely times that he dealt with. Times where his own brethren had forsaken him. Those kinds of difficulties. But look at chapter 11. We have a famous passage where he draws attention to the kinds of things he endured. Chapter 11, in verse 23, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, oft of the Jews. Five times received I forty stripes, save one. Can you imagine that just one time? But five times. The forty stripes, save one was said to be like a 40 times would be possibly to the point of death. But to get close to that, you leave one off to get him close to that point, but not to the full point. What torture that he had to endure. In verse 24 of the Jews, or verse 25, Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. There's the physical hardships and there's the mental anguish that Paul suffered. And then there's this thorn in the flesh, whatever that was, in chapter 12. He mentions it as a messenger of Satan to buffet him. And how do you think Paul was able to deal with that? Do you ever stop and wonder what made this man tick? What allowed him to keep going? How was he able to get beaten and get up and go at it again? Get it put in prison and then when released, go back and preach the exact same message. When people wanted to shut him up, but he couldn't. Much like Jeremiah who had that burning fire. The word was in his heart in such a way that he had to tell it. He had to speak it. But how was Paul able to suffer such pain? 
continually. Well, he says, and he makes this point several times throughout his letters and especially here in this section, if you caught it, he did it through trust in the Lord. And when he talks about the kinds of things that he endured, and in, in 2 Corinthians 1, he even talks about that we had this sentence of death in ourselves in verse 9. I think Paul already considered himself dead. He's, that sentence of death, others wanted him dead, but he's already accepted it. That one day, at some point, it's going to happen. Now we can be in dread, and we can be in fear, and we could be at the point of trying to ignore it, deny it. We could try to lessen it. We could try not to think about it. But Paul came to the point that I believe he really just accepted it. That one day it was going to be the death of him. But that is what it was. He considered his life as a sacrifice with Christ. Because he knew and trusted in the sacrifice of Christ that here's his opportunity to share in his sufferings. And when he talks about these kinds of pain, I don't think it was because Paul considered him strong enough to take the pain. I don't think it was because Paul was so strong himself. I don't think that's where his strength came from. Because he makes this point that we should not trust in ourselves, but in him who can deliver us. Now sometimes in the first letter, and I've talked about this, it's a good point to bring it back up. In the first letter in chapter 10, sometimes there's a verse there that I think is misunderstood. Where he says that he's not going to allow us to be tempted above what we're able Many times when that's quoted, people think that means that God won't give you some physical trial that you can't handle. I don't think that's his point in that section. I think his point is you're not going to be tempted to sin and it's so strong of a temptation that you can't abstain. God will throw you the lifeline. You can resist Satan. You can resist temptation. I think that's the, the context of the passage. But as far as physical trials, sometimes there are some people and some of us who have dealt with things that are too hard for us to be able to bear by ourselves. And I think that's what he's exactly saying here where he says we were pressed, in verse 8, above measure. We were in despair even of life. It was more than we can handle. I believe that's what he was saying. It was more than I could deal with on my own. And it's sometimes whenever you have to deal with these kinds of pressures and burdens and difficulties and trials that are more than you can handle, what do you have to do? You reach out to God more. You realize, I can't do this by myself. But I can with the Lord. And that was Paul's mentality when he said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Another verse that is often misunderstood. But in that context is something that I'm going to be able to get through no, 
any difficulty if I have the Lord with me. So the presence of God, having God in his life, was a powerful way that Paul was able to deal with this. His trust in the Lord. His spiritual mindset. Did you notice how that he refers to that? In verse, verse 9 when he said, or verse 12. For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you. It's not by some physical man-made wisdom or knowledge it's not by the physical it wasn't his physical strength it wasn't his physical ability it wasn't his mental ability it wasn't by somehow conditioning himself that he can be so strong I don't think that's really what it was I think what it was is a spiritual mindset recognizing there's more than the physical he gets to this later in chapter uh, 8 and 9 or 5 and 6. Whenever we're dealing with physical, uh, the ending of our body, we need to know that there is a, another body that's made in the heavens. There's the physical pain, but there's the spiritual rim. There's the eternal perspective. And I believe that's how Paul did it, through not looking at the here and now, but looking at an eternity perspective. And by the resurrection. Notice how he mentioned that in this section. That God is able to deliver us, and the deliverance he's talking about, I don't believe, is necessarily the deliverance from trials. I think he's talking about deliverance in a different way. Meaning that even if I endure a trial, the Lord is with me. And if, even if I'm to the point of dying for Him, He's going to raise me. That's the deliverance that I get to receive. We think deliverance is only like if it works out in my favor right now. God is able to deliver. We have too many examples of times where God delivered His people. But the deliverance that I believe Paul is talking about is the deliverance of this earth. The deliverance of this temptation and the pain and the suffering here that we get to be delivered. In another place, Paul said, who will deliver me from the body of this death? I think that's his point here in this context, being delivered from here, that we get heaven. But you know, God does not shield us from the trials if you notice here that we're, go we're going to have difficulties and trials he never promises to say okay I'm, I'm going to take all the trials and pain and hardships away what he does do is help us through them and, that, and, and I think that's an important point God doesn't say if you, if you love me and you serve me then I just take all the problems. He doesn't roll out the, you know, the, the, the rose petals and, and he doesn't make, give us this life of ease in every way. 
And do you know what? A life of ease is not what makes us better anyway. But a life of pressure and tests, that's what gives us the opportunity to understand what other people deal with. You know, there are things... What did I push? So, there are, there are things that we, we deal with, with pressure, that we might beforehand, but till we are there, we might look at someone else and not understand them. Sometimes we might be critical. Have you ever done that? I know I have. Where I'm looking at someone who's dealing with a difficulty, and I see their response to it, and I think, why don't you just do this? Why don't you act like this? Why don't you do this? It's so easy. If you would just do this, why are you acting this way? Then you go through something similar and then it hits you. And you say, oh, I think I kind of understand now how they're feeling. There are times like that where we just don't know what it's like until we're there. And here's a point that he makes in this section, how that God is a God of all comfort. That whenever we go through a trial, God comforts us. The more we suffer, God comforts us. And then now what we got to do is then pass that on to other people. Our suffering can become an opportunity to be able to help other people. I don't know if you ever considered it that way. Maybe you are going through what you're going right through right now so that you can be a little more understanding and perhaps be able to help someone who's going through something similar better than you could have before you've dealt with this. And because God has comforted you, you've found a way to trust in God and lean on Him more, you've, you've, you've found a way to be able to share that with them. One small example... One, one day I had uh, injured my knee some, as a small uh, suffering. People have dealt with much worse. Okay, This is little compared to all the things that Paul just mentioned. But I am out of town and we're, and we're visiting a church and I'm going up the steps and I remember thinking... And the way I described it to the family was it was like courthouse steps, all these steps you got to go up. And I've, I've got this knee that's blown out and I'm walking up the steps. And here comes a lady behind me with a cane who has to do this every time she goes up the steps. And I remember thinking in my mind, I hope I'm not slowing anybody down. I hope that, I, you know, I'm, because I really can't go hardly much faster. I hope that it's this. I hope that... And, and I hope they don't rush by me, and, I, and I'm, I'm thinking like that. But then here she comes behind me. She's got to do this every Sunday. And before, I might would have been like, this is embarrassing to admit, but I might have thought, I wish she would be a little faster. But now this day, because I'm hurting, I'm a little bit more understanding of her. And even then, I probably don't really understand that she deals with this every time. 
Isn't it like that with us? Have you ever done that where you're overly critical of someone until you've gone through something and now you, you, you kind of are a little bit more empathetic? I think that's one point that he's making here. That we can now comfort other people whenever we've been through things. So see it as an opportunity. But God's the only source to help us through the major trials of life. People can seek all kinds of other things, and they seek it in the wrong places. You know that? People try to seek help from God through worldly wealth, through worldly friends. They seek it through worldly knowledge. They seek it through drugs. They seek it through alcohol, through physical pleasure. They zone out. They sleep it off. Some people bury their head in the sand. They, they, they seek sinful means and it doesn't work it becomes empty it's not lasting but there's something that will help you through better than anything else is understanding Jesus is a man of suffering Isaiah 53 he's acquainted with grief he knows all about it he understands whatever you're going through but if you think about him and his sacrifice and that he's the only true source that can help you, he can help you through it by being with us, by giving us courage, by giving us hope, by enabling us to persevere. Through his example and sacrifice, we see the power of his word, that he means what he says. And then through the prayers of others who and the encouragement of others who have experienced similar things. God uses us in these ways to allow us to do that. You ever wonder why does God allow suffering? Sometimes people use that as a means to destroy their own faith. They doubt God in the process. Not Paul. Paul experienced all kinds of suffering. It made him trust in God more. Now you have a choice. Whenever you go through a difficulty, do you shrink back from God because of some hardship or do you lean on God more? Do you pray and you help others more? And start thinking about others and their, and their difficulties more than our own needs. I believe that's the overall message of this section. Very powerful message to help us. I hope it's been encouraging to you. It's meant to be that way. The God of all comfort can comfort you. If you need help in that. The first way to start is by giving your life to him. Trusting that he is the son of God. He died for you. Believe who he is. He's Lord. And be willing to confess that and change your life to serve him. Make, make that confession. I believe Jesus is the son of God. Be baptized for the remission of your sins, and you can be forgiven. And you can have a hope of a life with a resurrected body where there's not any more pain and not any more hardship. And then you can have the strength of Christ to help you through the hardships until then. And if you're a Christian, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. How did he endure such pain? Because he kept his eyes fixed on you. And you are his prize. You need to keep your eyes fixed on him. Whatever your need is, won't you come while we stand and as we sing.